0: I love easy ways to witchify my daily life. And I love the bath salts made by your friendly village witch Belinda of Foxwand Apothecary. With blends such as self-love, anti-anxiety, sleep, new and full moon, you will find something perfect for you. Each one is also infused with magic and Reiki energy too. Try these bath salts as part of your spell work. Place them in a foot bath. Use as a body scrub. Personally, I love a good full moon bath. You can use the code SUBURBANWITCH for 10% off all of their bath salts, and it's only for listeners of the Witch Talks podcast. Simply head to Foxwand Apothecary on Etsy, which is linked in the description below this episode. Welcome to Witch Talks, the series for spiritual seekers, witches, and enlightened souls. I'm Hannah the Suburban Witch, professional tarot reader, astrologer, and witch, and I hope you're ready to get up close and personal with your favourite witches. Oh my darlings, it feels like it has been forever since I put out an episode. In actuality, it has been basically a month at the time that I'm recording this little intro for you now and really I've only missed two episodes and I'm sure you can guess why that is as if you listen to the last episode we had a little bit of technical difficulty and I did have uh, some hard drive issues unfortunately that meant even with a data recovery specialist and $660 <laughs> I was only able to recover two of the files and they weren't even like the proper files. So usually when I record an interview with one of my guests, the audio files save separately so that I can adjust them as need be. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to recover that aspect. So I just have the the full video with its normal audio all mashed together for two guests and one completely gone. So I have had to reach back out to them and be like, I'm so sorry. Are you open to coming back on? We'll just redo the whole thing. So fingers crossed. We'll see how that goes. But today I have one of the recovered files. So yippee. And I'm actually really glad that it worked out this way because taking a tiny little bit of a break gave me the time I needed to set my course up and deal with all the stuff that comes with putting a course out and launching it. It's a lot. (laughs) So that's done. My students are now happily making their way through the course and have a little bit of my time back. And this is coming out at a good time as well, because it's currently mid-October. And if you are on my Witch Weekly newsletter, you would have seen it's October, which means it's almost Halloween, which means it's almost November. And November means Nanorimo. What is Nanorimo, Hannah? That strange word that you're saying? Well, let me elucidate you. Nanorimo stands for National Novel Writing Month. Happens every year in November, and it's a time of year where I put a stop to all my services. I step back from my standard work and I instead focus on writing. I did the challenge last year. Now, the challenge of NaNoWriMo is to write 50,000 words in 30 days. That's just under 1,700 words per day, which, trust me, is very hard to do. But I'm very, very keen to do it. So last year, I did win. I did the 50,000. And since then, and it's almost been a year, right? Since then, I've only managed to add an extra 17,000 because, I mean, I have work family, all sorts of things. I solo parent 50% of the year because my husband's away all the time. So it's been hard, but having NaNoWriMo where you have a full month to dedicate to it, you have support networks, you have resources. For me, the ADHD dopamine aspect of having the communities, there's lots of discord groups. You get these little badges as you go through it. It's so fantastic to just hyper focus on it for a month. So I'm hoping that I can add an extra 50,000 to this manuscript and that will be one fully fleshed out draft manuscript completed. And then I just have to edit it a bunch of times and send it off to a bunch of agents and hope for the best. (laughs) Another reason why today's episode is so timely is because I'm actually chatting with a publisher. So (laughs) it's kind of on theme. The project I'm working on is loosely termed the retirement plan work in progress, might be changed, I'm sure, but it is a fallen angel style supernatural novel. It's fiction, it's fun, it's heavily influenced by my deconstruction from Christianity, and I think you guys are gonna love it when it's done. (laughs) I do offer the first three chapters for my private members, and that's through our private Facebook group, And you can read a little bit more about it and see the Spotify playlist that I use for it and a few other things on my website. I'll link it below. That's where I've got all the details about the books and decks and things that I'm creating and writing. Now, if you are creative, an author, perhaps, deck creator, whatever you are, you can join on too. come and do NaNoWriMo with me. It doesn't have to be for writing a novel. It can be for writing a memoir. You can use it for creating a deck. You can create a board game. People use it for all sorts of things. But definitely hit me up if you're joining in on the challenge. I'm going to be sharing on Instagram and other social media aspects some of the things that I do to keep myself on track. So last year I filled a jar up with 50 rocks and each rock represented 1000 words and when I wrote 1000 words I'd go and piff that rock outside as hard as I could at the fence and that felt really therapeutic. I was a member in tons of little discord groups. I did a lot of the NaNoWriMo uh, prep. They do like a prep 101 thing because it's my first time writing a novel, right? It's like a proper novel. So I took full advantage of all of the resources and they have a lot that comes out in November. And I'm going to be sharing some creative writing prompts using the tarot. And on next week's which Weekly Newsletter... I'm going to be sharing my Plot Planning Pyramid tarot spread. So definitely jump onto my website and sign up to get access to that. Anyway, enough about me and my writing. I could talk all day, I'm sure. But let us make our way to the lovely episode that you've come here for today. And I hope you enjoy it. Oh, sorry. I jumped off too soon. Let's do our... Hannah, help me! Question of the day. Remember, if you have a question, you can email them through suburbanwitchery at gmail.com and I'll answer it for you here on the podcast. Today's question comes in from Chantel, one of my private members in the Suburban Witches Society and Chantel asks, Hannah, this might be a Hannah help me question because I'm listening to the mediumship mini and I also happen to watch one of those shows where a medium does readings for people. It fascinates me and I love to hear about it but at the same time, it freaks me out to a point I can't look in mirrors or windows at night for fear of seeing something I don't want to see. I freak out if I even have a passing thought about attempting to connect to anything because I'm scared something will appear or make itself known even if I allow my mind to go there. I can't figure out if it's a rational fear or not, or how to push through that. Not that mediumship is even something I've really wanted to explore, but I definitely see this kind of mindset as a block to develop any other psychic skills. Chantal, you are not alone. Trust me when I say there are countless people out there that feel exactly the same way as you do. And I'm going to let you know, first and foremost, whilst it is a rational fear, like you're not irrational for feeling this way because we've been primed to think this with horror movies and scary stories and all sorts of other things, not to mention the church, but it's also an irrational fear because it's like, it's possible, but it's really, really unlikely. Let me put it into perspective for you. If you look at a mirror or a window at night, for example, if I, right, if I look in a mirror, a dark scrying mirror, which I use for scrying and connecting with spirits and things like that, it's very difficult to actually see something in the mirror. Okay. You would have to be an extremely gifted psychic and medium naturally to just happen to see something. Right. And so I think that can sometimes calm people's fears. Just the same where people where I had the fear, I had the fear that demons were going to pop out at any moment. If I touched a tarot deck or even looked at one. Now I know that many people spend years attempting to summon a demon (laughs) And it is incredibly difficult. And if we could just summon one by touching something, we'd be like one of the most gifted mages out there. So that idea and realizing that it's not something that just happens willy-nilly, that helped me. So hopefully that helps you a little bit. Secondly, seeing something is very different to it harming us, which is where fear can come from. Fear is often feeling like we're going to be in trouble from it. Like we're going to get hurt or we're going to be... It, you know, it will cause some form of physical harm to us. And that is simply not the case. Even if you were to drop down into trance meditation, stare into a scrying mirror with the guide or the aim of seeing something, which is not always how it goes, by the way. Sometimes the scrying mirror is merely a way to get you into a deeper level of meditation And some people don't even see anything. A lot of the time I hear things internally in my mind or I see things in my mind's eye rather than in the mirror itself. And I teach that in my psychic course as well. But seeing something is one thing and it it can't actually interact with you from there. If spirits and spirits of earthbound spirits, particularly so dead people, if they could harm us physically, and I can't take credit for this because I saw it online, but there would be far fewer white folks just putting it out there. So whilst working with energy and psychic energy can sometimes lead to a headache or feeling tired or feeling extra hungry, sometimes maybe a nightmare or an instance of sleep paralysis in the worst case scenario, which I have experienced all of these things, I've never come across any harm, ever. I don't know anyone who has come across harm. And even if that doesn't allay all your fears... Putting in protections can be a really great way to feel like you're taking some control back. I would also recommend that you go and see a medium. Find a medium, find someone that you feel comfortable with. Because sometimes getting a mediumship reading can really get rid of a lot of that fear. I know that worked for my mum when I took her to a medium for the first time. And she was like, oh, wow, I didn't feel like that was bad at all. That felt..." Really comforting I feel really healed from that I feel uplifted right it's the total opposite of what you expect so that can be really good the other thing if you're not there yet something like Tyler Henry's show I, I really like Tyler Henry he's beautiful he's a beautiful beautiful human so Tyler Henry has a Netflix TV series called life after death with Tyler Henry I think that can be a really great way to see how mediumship works in person can alleviate some of those fears for you. Plus he's so super duper sweet. Like there's nothing nothing evil going on there. Like there's absolutely nothing. When we get psychic or mediumship information, oftentimes it's, you know, oh, I see a yellow duck, an image of a yellow duck, right? It's not, oh, there's a ghost here in our presence. Like it, it's not like what the movies show us. With a lot of the fear-based stuff, the best thing you can do is to take a baby step towards it, realize that that baby step didn't hurt you, and then you can take another step forward. Don't jump straight in. Sometimes that can just be very panic-inducing. Just do little bits at a time, slightly outside of what you feel is normal, and then push from there as you feel comfortable to. I hope this helps. And now for our episode. In this episode, I'm chatting with Rebecca Baruki, an author, publisher, and online wellness figure. She's the founder of Beck's Life and Row House Publishing. She's a mother of five, a meditation guide, a birth doula, and mentor for creative healers. I am so looking forward to sharing Rebecca's work and wisdom and their mission with you today. So let's get into it. She is joining us via Zoom all the way from New Jersey. Hey, Rebecca, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me thank you for coming on. I wanted to start our chat by pulling a tarot card for you if you're comfortable Ooh. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Yay. Let's definitely do that. Yeah, this is a deck I haven't actually had a lot of time to play with. Uh, it's a newer one for me called the Magic Tarot and I actually okay. got it because I thought it would be good for my kids because okay. it's really bright and fun. Enjoy I'm the-
1: actually a 12-year-old so this is appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I, purple. I love that.
0: Yeah. It's also a bilingual deck, which is wonderful. So it's got uh, Spanish and English on it, cool. which is fun because I am trying to relearn Spanish and my kids are, are trying a- to learn with me. Are there a lot of Spanish speakers in Australia? No, <laughs> not okay. really. Is that useful? Okay. Uh, when <laughs> when I worked, I used to work in Peru and Bolivia, just for oh, okay, okay. a little bit, and I could oh, I could speak so well and I didn't appreciate it. and then I lost it all. but uh, I think it's a really wonderful language. Yes. and I'm also I'm also learning Mandarin. I'm also learning Italian. I'm oh one gosh. of those one of those language people that I just find it really fascinating and it's like a hobby. So there's that. And my kids are like, stop making me learn things. I'm like, oh sorry.
1: I'm from New Jersey. I, I barely speak English most days. So it's, it's
0: fine. <laughs> so do you have a question that you would like to ask of the cards?
1: Oh, it's a question. I mean
0: I'm always asking about
1: money. Um yeah, I'm I'm looking, I'm 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 wondering when there's gonna be ease, like when I'm gonna feel that ease around finances. Mm. Yeah, let's have a look.
0: Yeah. And it's really interesting. I don't know how much you look into astrology at all, uh-huh. but currently at the time of filming this, uh, mm. recording this, it is Venus retrograde. Oh, whatever. So <laughs> that, that usually means it's a really, like, the focus Venus is on love and money and, yeah. it's, and beauty. And the focus is really on things like, what money stories we've been telling ourselves, what stories about love and, and all those sorts of things. What are our, our body confidence and beauty stories that we tell ourselves and reflecting on that and how it's impacting us. So it's a really good time to look into money stuff. I mean, my associate publisher at Row
1: House is an astrologer. Mm -hmm. Her, her handle is the Celestial Bruja. so we're we're steeped in it at row house all all of the all the
0: spiritual and magic things yeah wonderful the other good thing about this deck is it's quite small and I have small hands and that's one of the things I always complain about with (laughs) with decks is I'm like I can't shuffle it this one I can it's like it's smaller than a standard deck of cards so it's look at your little hands (laughs) (laughs) oh so yes that one's wonderful for that all right so the two okay. cards we got. So I pulled out two cards. The first one is the Seven of Cups. Now, this is a beautiful mm-hmm. pink background. We've got a little um, yes. plant growing up there. Now, the Seven of Cups, just for everyone listening as well, Seven of Cups, I find, is like a wish card or um, your wishes are coming true or it's just a really wonderful card, okay? In the traditional tarot, I don't know if you read tarot yourself or have dabbled in that area. Little, I-, I dabble dabble I so double dabble. <laughs> the seven of cups usually has a man standing there looking at these seven cups that are filled with like ones filled with treasures and riches and ones filled with you know a dragon and it's meant to be you know mm. fear and greed and then we've got a tower it's meant to be like subconscious fear and disaster like there's all these different things that they can it looks like they're picking off a menu right so that's okay. one of the things that comes through with it it's sort of like you get to cho- choose your own adventure right that's kind okay. of One of the words that comes through now with this one. So seven of cups, cups are a little bit slower. They're not the slowest out of all the suits, but they're it's water, right? It can rush and it can flow. So there's this real Mm -hmm. ebb and flow idea around it. And it's really just making sure that you're focused on exactly what you're looking for. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've you know, been down the law of attraction route and it's not so much that, but it's more just making sure you're clear. (laughs) I have been
1: down that. That's part of the story.
0: (laughs) but more just making sure that you're really clear on what those those yeah. money goals are
1: mm-hmm. um
0: and open to different avenues for it to be flowing in through okay. and that it, it is coming probably sooner than you expect right so like almost like floodgates will open probably sooner than you expect but not as fast as you want it right so it's fine yes um at the moment i would say in terms of like an estimate when we're doing timing with the tarot which is always can be kind of funky with the seven of cups we have it as a roundabout cancer season which is we've just passed when we're recording this mm-hmm. so that's like just under a year so it's almost like a little year just under a year like 11 months round about that is okay. kind of when those those floodgates and you'll be like oh my gosh i didn't expect to be here okay okay, so it's okay. oh gosh <laughs> the <laughs> other card because i pulled two the other one All this right. one here is the two of swords Okay. Now this one Ooh. is your advice card. This is how to help it along, how to help it happen faster. This is okay. your like what you need to do, right? Yes. There's this one we can see in this particular deck, we have two hands holding, you know, two people, well, two hands being held together, basically. Mm-hmm. And there's two swords there as well. So with the two of swords, it's generally around about a choice, like making a choice. You've got to make a choice in something. Choose one mm-hmm. way or the other way. It's kind of like where we're at in a bit of a, a road, not a roadblock, but like end of the road in one area. And yes. there's a direction shift that needs to happen. A yes. lot of the times with the two of swords, we really want to do it with our brain. Like we want to logically mm-hmm. think it out. And we're like, okay, I'm going to figure out which is the best logical route, but this is okay. really like a uh-uh, close your eyes, You're not going to know all the answers before you decide. You have to feel into it and just go with your
1: gut. I know. (laughs) I have so many feelings about this, but it makes that makes sense. That makes sense. So that is
0: the other thing I would say with this particular one is it feels like it's not something you're supposed to do by yourself either. So recruiting in someone else to to also make that decision with you and to weigh in with you and to you know come together on that decision. I think is going to be really helpful rather than it all being on your shoulders. 100% agree. Hard agree with this deck today. <laughs> Isn't it cute? It's just like I love it. Cats on the back. Um Oh. It's really cute. It is. I'm going to see who it Oh, I don't think it says it on here. It's a really tiny little deck. And oh, the ac- look
1: at that little pamphlet. Yeah.
0: It's actually the whole pamphlet, the whole little book is in um what have they got French? Deutsch, Portuguese, Spanish, and English for everything.
1: Isn't that wonderful? Absolutely wonderful. It's a little tiny. I couldn't. I'm too my eyes are too old for that. I would have my children read it.
0: (laughs) Amaya Arizola is the deck creator of the magic tarot. Cute. So there we go.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I guess I have to be patient and Work with collaborators, which I always do and mm-hmm. trust my heart, whatever.
0: Yes. Yes. And get really clear on that. Like, yeah. What it's going to look like. And mm-hmm. yeah. Remembering that the the choice is yours, but the, the seven of cups, I find quite a lucky card, right? It's a okay. wishes yeah. are coming. Try True. It's a, it's a beneficial card. There are many other cards we could have had that would have been like, oh, I
1: had a conversation with someone the other day and it was, I mean, it was a wonderful person, a great mentor in my life, but really someone who doesn't have an understanding in terms of identity, like shared identity or shared responsibility in terms of being a mother. And I'm trying to explain like the weight of just the decision-making process and all the things that I have to consider and you know, he was encouraging me to talk to people who have failed in business. And I'm like, yes. And I'd love to talk to people who have been through worse things. Right. And like come out the other side and like not died. But honestly, in my heart of hearts, I just, I was like, I don't mean to seem, you know, overconfident. This isn't hubris. It's like, I just don't see failure in my path. If I was writing a book, I couldn't imagine this scenario. It's mm-hmm. not, it's just not there. So I am really really open to just the way of success being revealed to me Mm -hmm. um but i'm going to keep going no matter what because i know it's coming yeah it's inevitable yeah
0: and it definitely unless you know something i don't (laughs) (laughs) well one of the words as i said when i was reading through that card it it felt like floodgates so it feels like that will happen like there's going to be a really big Mm. influx um one of the other things with that as well is just making sure you're prepared for that because sometimes that can also be not great right yeah, if we just prepared. experienced
1: it. We just experienced it. We had two, like almost back to back, New York Times bestsellers.
0: You were a author over at yes. Hay House, one of the biggest spiritual mind body spirit publishers. Yeah, and you <laughs> two books published with them. Is that right? Yes,
1: you have. Um, you have four minutes to change your life and managing the mother load. Mm-hmm. 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 And what went wrong? in I a nutshell. Mean, I mean, at it's a very white nuance. supremacy. Mm-hmm. White, white supremacy. That's what went wrong. Mm-hmm. They, they, their values. And, and I want to be very specific here because there are so many wonderful people over at Hay House and this is, you know, I'm not hedging or anything. It's just, there's so many good people doing good work. The problem is, is that the people who ultimately sign the checks and make the decisions are, I don't believe are aligned with the Outward messaging that they're Mm. putting out, meaning their systems, their processes, their acquisition policies um, really lend themselves to exclusion, to um, bypassing, spiritual bypassing, to white supremacist and oppressive systems, um, to cultural appropriation. It was so much and it was really made clear to me in May of 2018 when I was at a conference and I didn't leave until 2020, but May 2018, I was at a conference and I'm biracial, Black. Um, and I asked the CEO, you know, there's a hundred people here, 40 like top and up and coming authors with Hay House. Why am I the brownest person in the room? Like we just took a group photo and it's going to look terrible to my audience. Um, and his answer was that, you need to understand, Rebecca, that we cater to an affluent audience. And so that was the
0: f- <laughs> that was the first part.
1: I was like, he really said that on yeah. stage, on a microphone.
0: On a microphone. Then,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was like a huge, it was like this big conference and we were asking questions and having this Q&A like in the room. And then the second part of that is like, you know, we're really just not getting the submissions. And my answer was like, well, maybe because they feel the way I do right now, right? Like they don't feel welcome. They don't see themselves in the space. Mm. Um, And it was just so apparent that, you know, beyond just the general ignorance that he and the people that support or continue to do his work are just so out of touch, even with like, who's part of the spirituality world, who's buying the books, who's creating this amazing content, where it comes from. So yeah, I, I stayed on and I tried to work from within and trying to change systems as a mentor in the diverse wisdom initiative. um, The first round of it, I was the only um, person of color that was a mentor or, you know, coaching anybody. Um, They were supposed to award one contract and it was two of my mentees that both got awarded contracts at the end. Um, There was just a lot of, there was a lot of harm done. There was a lot of harm that was unspoken because people didn't feel um, uh, confident in speaking up. These were black and brown authors. And it was during the second round that I met Juliette Diaz, um, who's the author of witchery and the altar within and plant witchery. And so they brought in another person of color, <laughs> a Latino woman. And it was, um, the conversations that we were having were also in the context of George Floyd and, uh, COVID. And I found out, um, that five of the 12 disinformation dozen these folks that are responsible for most of the covid disinformation that was happening online five of them were hay house authors um so there's this a swirl of the diverse wisdom initiative feels really like perverted because there's there's we're bringing we're recruiting these people into this unsafe space and then hay house isn't saying anything about covid or they're, they're authors that are going out and spreading this disinformation and, and George Floyd and the whole world was speaking up and they just remained completely silent. And I went to leadership and I said, you know, what are you all going to do about this? And this was the beginning of October of 2020. And, you know, they basically said, there's nothing we can do. This is very complicated. These things take time, which is untrue, untrue, untrue. And it was during that call, my poor agent was on the call, Wendy Sherman, and she was just like, she was like, what is happening? I'm here to support, but I have no idea what you're saying. Um, I left, I canceled, I was in contract to do, or I was, had contracts out for my uh, children's book with them. And I was like, I just can't continue. It was really sad. I was crying and Mm -hmm. it was, it felt like a real, um, like a real break, um, I announced it on social media because I felt that that was the responsible, uh, thing to do to stay in integrity. And it just blew up. Um, people came out in support. I was also shunned by a lot of people, by a lot of other Hay House authors. So I lost a lot of friendships. I lost a family that day, but, um, Row House was born out of it. (laughs) So a girlfriend editor colleague reached out and just like, Hey, why don't you just start your own Hay House? And I mean, really that was the text. Why mm-hmm. don't you just start your own Hay House? And within a month we had the business name, we were starting to
0: talk about fundraising, but yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's wild. I remember when I first heard your story, right. Mm-hmm. And firstly, as a, as a spiritual galley, uh, Hay House was like, you know, the little square of Hay House was on the bottom of most of the books that I had in my home, right? Yeah, sure. Most of the decks that I I had, the Oracle and Tarot decks and things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's other other publishers, but that was sort of the majority, and I was like, ooh, okay, I need to take a closer look at these. So it was, it was wonderful in that aspect because I think you really would have created such a shift for consumers in terms of, okay, maybe I should look at where I'm getting these from and what they're doing yeah. and, and that sort of a thing, which I – stupidly, maybe, I don't know. I'd never even really thought of that before in my brain. And I'm also an aspiring author. So I've learned things very much the hard way since, you know, a few years back, but I was like, oh yeah, obviously if someone is published, their book gets fact-checked by the publisher or Uh the publisher does (laughs) their due diligence. And I had all these ideas that when it gets professionally published, it means it's more valid and the things that are coming out are true and correct and I've obviously learned that that's not correct and that the voices that they're right. lifting up are often doing more harm than good especially to marginalized communities and I think your story just just shows that it what it sounds like as well that they didn't really care or they didn't show the level of care and uh, they didn't do anything to protect you or, or other people in that space yeah. they just kind of under the rug you know is that kind of what it felt like
1: I mean it's it's so uh, I have to say like the proof is in the pudding right like we can only look at the impact and and then go backwards from there so guess there are a lot of good people working at Hay House and the office is very diverse but mm-hmm. there has to be a reason why everyone that's front-facing like all the authors have a certain identity. Mm. There has to be a reason for that. We have to examine that reason. And the biggest issue is that the leadership wasn't willing to examine the why it mm. didn't matter. So if, I, you know, you might go into a place and say, Hey, everybody, they're all white women, right? Like, why are we all white women? And, and it could be just a product of the environment of, you know, th- it's because this is who's in my circle. Like I hire my friends or I hire people that I know, or who's in my network, but there's, There then can be a willingness to say, Hmm, this is interesting. And let's examine this further. Let's get curious about it. And then once we are, we get some answers, we can start creating systems to change this. There was just no willingness at all. They just weren't interested. So that was a huge problem for me, especially, and this is where it gets sinister for me, Mm -hmm. especially in a space that is meant for healing. Mm -hmm. because you are catering, not to an affluent audience, to a particularly vulnerable audience.
0: Vulnerable is a great
1: word. Yeah, they're going to you to find answers. And these answers might be stolen. These answers Mm -hmm. might be incorrect. These answers might be led by profit and not actual healing. And it felt really off the rails. And when they created a model, what they did was, They started to attract a certain type of person that wanted to create this content that wasn't necessarily healing or helpful. And then the authors, I do believe that the existing authors were led to a path of like, well, this is the better way. Like, Hay House is a marketing machine I don't even know if they're really creating books anymore I mean, it's it's all about like doing the three-part opt-in and making the person buy the program at the end it's like mm. are we creating like valuable content that can stand on its own or is this just a big commercial for someone's million dollar program um and that's the other part of it the ethics of you know how they were packaging the material what the end goal for the material was it was it, it just it was gross mm. it continues to be gross. I've seen them since my leaving and being public. um really, really objectify. and i'm I want to tread this line very carefully because I care about black women and respect black women. And I always want black women to get paid for their work and to be able to find their opportunity, however they need to find it. But I have seen Hay House objectify and commodify black bodies for the mm. purpose of saving face. So yeah. and and, yo, know, Hay House is my example, but this is happening everywhere yeah this is happening yeah. in, in all spaces so you know Absolutely. this was just my experience
0: well when when I heard you speaking out as well I went and had a look because at the time I was querying my uh, children's books out <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is a process in itself um, especially because it was just you know knock back after knock back and I had gotten to the point where it was like you just in my brain you just send to everyone because obviously no one's saying yes so I want whoever will say yes, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. But after hearing your story, I was like, Whoa, no, what if I go with someone that's like, not great. Oh my gosh. No, I have to like reevaluate here. So I stopped querying. I like pulled it all. I was like, no, I'm going to wait. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What am I doing? And I'd really, I guess, not seen the value in who I worked with until, Mm. until you came out with that. And then I was like, no, 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 I need someone that aligns with my values. Otherwise that's not going to feel good. So I started right. looking at these publishers and I was like, all right, they've got a little section. You can check any publisher's website. They've got a little section where you can click on authors and they've usually got photos and you scroll down. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just going to yeah. be like another white face in a sea of white faces. And that's, that's not okay with me because that's, that's not the type of community I want to be a part of. I want to be part right. of one that, you know, obviously doesn't tokenize black people, but lifts their voices right. up. And when I saw what you were doing throw house, oh my gosh, I squealed in delight. And I remember your first fundraising. I was like, I want to help, but Australia for some reason, it wouldn't accept donations from Australia. And I was like, <laughs> no, so it's just like sharing it online. I was like, yeah, we also help? say that. Yeah.
1: We also say that sharing is currency. So please yeah. share, share, share. <laughs> we love that too. Um, that's so with row house, we are specifically looking for folks with marginalized identities or telling stories that center and serve folks with marginalized identities, because Mm -hmm. I believe, um, growing up in a working class, poor neighborhood, living below the poverty line, my whole life being biracial, being neurodivergent, like all of these things, the most creative, the, and it's, it's not, it's not, I'm not here to say like black, brown, queer, and disabled people are inherently better or more creative. I'm saying that the circumstances call for a type of resiliency and creativity and imagination to seek that joy, to still have thriving amidst all this other like nonsense, this oppression. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking to the margins for these stories because I know those are the best stories. And that's what's the shame about, you know, the state of publishing now. It's that like, we're just seeing the same thing over and over and over again and, when we could be having these, these rich experiences and like really learning and really making an impact. I say books saved my life. They start revolutions. They're just so, so, so important to the culture. And I know that finding these stories and putting them out and raising them up and getting them national media attention sells. Mm -hmm. I know that it's good business. I just think that the folks that have been in leadership have have siloed themselves in bubbles. Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't, it was a mixed metaphor that was terrible but <laughs> they basically aren't having experiences outside of their own and mm-hmm. um and then they don't see the value in other They don't see the value. <laughs> they don't see the value because they just have no understanding of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly challenging myself like look, I live at a different intersection of a lot of different identities, but by no means can I speak for a dark-skinned black woman or a uh, a fat person or a disabled person who has mobility issues like or, or limitations like I can't speak for any of those so I have to make sure that I'm surrounded by people that are not only talking about those things experiencing experiencing those things but they're also making decisions within this organization mm-hmm. like I'm not yes. I'm not the one right we have a lot of decision makers here That's Um, wonderful.
0: One of the things I love, love, your graphic that you share, and you share it frequently, and every time it pops Mm -hmm. on my feed, I'm like, share again. (laughs) It's this beautiful, such a clear, picture-perfect graphic, and it's, like, little people, like little pictures, like what you see on the front of a restroom, like a little person, and... You've coloured them in for different areas, so I think it's like ninety nine percent of publishing is white, something like Can, do You know, the
1: seven. I think it's 90, 96 or ninety seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. White is eighty nine percent. Yeah, so eighty nine percent white. white. Aren't, yeah, yeah. Ninety nine percent non disabled. 99% I think is non-disabled more than 99% is cisgender. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the stats in front
0: of me, but it's, it's sad. It's yes. sad. It's not reflective of society. At large, Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And you, you back it up because you slide across and it's like, we are not trying to equalize it. We are trying to disproportionately stack the shelves with black mm-hmm. and Brown and disabled neurodivergent and non-cisgendered voices because they need to be heard and I I love I love that concept because I have this argument I've always had this argument since I feel like since I was a kid that like the justice around you know when even when people talk about you know uh, diversity initiatives like for example my husband's in the air force and there are diversity or not I don't know if it's called a diversity initiative it's just basically a way to make it easier for female pilots to make it through right yeah and so many people are like it's not fair and you hear like the uh, the the cons a lot of it right and mm-hmm. and i'm like uh, excuse me if you've never seen a female pilot of course you are coming up against more barriers to get there because it's never seemed like an option to you and mm-hmm. like that is just the tip of the iceberg and if if you walk into you know if we take our daughter down to the air force base and see yeah. majority of them are women pilots How Mm -hmm. is that going to change the way she sees herself, what she can do? So, yeah, I love that you're disproportionately trying to stack the shells with these voices because I think it's so important for the next generation, current generations. Like it Mm -hmm. shows people that it's possible and it gets those stories out there, which then I think just makes the world a better place. (laughs)
1: I say a couple of things that people don't like that is one of them. So thank you for bringing that up that I'm not interested in like matching Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, whatever the demographics are in our current society. So I do want to disproportionately stack the shelves. Um, It's because I think that pendulum, I know the pendulum needs to swing the other extreme way to settle in a place Mm -hmm. of true equity. Mm -hmm. And Another thing that people don't love that I say is like, I'm actually not interested in the future generations. I see a crisis mm-hmm. now. I see an emergency now. I'm I'm trying to create a vehicle for books to serve black women today, queer trans folks today because, um, like James Baldwin said, like, how long do we have to wait? Like my uncle's been waiting. My cousin's Mm -hmm, been waiting. mm -hmm. Like we're sick of waiting like, stop telling us it's going to get better. Like we want this now. So, so of course I want row house to have a lasting impact and to have a legacy Mm -hmm. and for my children, other children to benefit from these beautiful stories. But like, this is for us right now because the revolution
0: is now. Even right and, now, if someone jumps onto your you know website and sees, oh my gosh, there's all these black and brown authors, that means I could mm. be an author. So it's absolutely impacting right now, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, and. we have a nonprofit that's associated with Row House called the Wheat Penny Press Little Readers Big Change mm-hmm. Initiative, and um, in addition to serving K twelve students, we um, we we donate to. Um, black owned independent bookshops. We give a lot of money to black and brown creators um, for their projects, all different kinds of cre- creative projects. But what I love the most about going into schools and bringing the books and having our authors go in and speak to them and we do online workshops for free and it's we have so many really cool programs with, with the nonprofit is that these little black kids get to not only see people that look like them, that talk like them, that come from their neighborhoods, that, that feel like their parents, friends, And when I go in to these classrooms, it's like a rock star is coming in. I'm like, oh my God, these kids love to read. And they're like, this is my favorite book, my little, my kid series that I write. And at the end, when I ask them, you know, how many people want to be writers? And 90% of the room is raising their hands. And I'm like, awesome. This is, you can do this. They already have this understanding. It's now just in their imagination. Like Mm -hmm. we can do this. And I tell them like, please send me your, your book when it's finished because I would love to be the first person to read it. And if you read my children's books, you'll see that one of them was dedicated to Glenda Autry, who was a middle school teacher of mine, a black woman, um, one of my only black teachers. And um, she kind of took me and a lot of other uh, black and brown girls under her wing. I found very recently this uh, report card and she wrote a note to my mother. And she said, you know, Rebecca's writing is getting so good this year. I can't wait to read her book one day. And I didn't know that she wrote that. I had no knowledge of that, but she just her belief in me, that like unspoken belief, just just being there. Um, she's definitely one of the reasons that not only I survived in life that but I became a creative and followed that that passion. So yeah. Is she
0: still around? Was she we in her book? Oh she
1: she isn't. Um, but she's in my heart. Mm-hmm. And uh she's one of my one of my models for how I want to be in this world, like how I want to move through this world, for sure.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit about some of the books that you guys are currently? Oh my gosh, what, what, What's going oh on? My God. They're up so much. It's so hot. So <laughs> I think we have fifty books,
1: um, either out or upcoming through the end of twenty twenty five. We have done too much. Um, we're it's we're not we're not okay. We're not okay. Um, But I'll say the next books that are coming out, we have um, Senora Sana Sana, which is based on this beautiful rhyme um, in Latin American culture. Um, So it was turned into a, a character kind of like um like a Latina Mary Poppins um and so beautiful by Ashley Campbell so this is a children's offering coming up in September we have another book I don't know if I was a curse but it's called fuck it I'm buying a cabin which is this yes yeah (laughs) fuck it I'm buying a cabin and it like speaks to millennials and like you know the um capitalism and Mm -hmm. it's this queer character who's just like I hate corporate life and she goes and buys a cabin spoiler um and And it's an adult picture book, a picture book for adults. I love Um, that. That's the best. Yes. It's really, it's really, really good. We're really excited for it. And then Mm -hmm. Dwell Time, um, which is a memoir of art, exile and repair by Rosa Lowinger, who is a world renowned art restorer. Um, Mm. Her family were two time exiles from Eastern Europe at the rise of anti-Semitism and then Cuba, the rise Mm. of Castro. They moved to the United States. Um, this just received a uh, Kirkus starred review. And what do we have? Hood Wellness. I mean, there's so, go to, you have to go to the website because I yeah. couldn't, I love all of them so much. Hood Wellness is going to break the, I mean, talk about wellness and revolution mm. in accessibility. Like, we're bringing it straight from the hood into your house. And whether you identify with like hood culture or not, like, I mean, a white lady from Missouri could read this book and feel connected because it's really speaking to anyone who has felt left out of the system for real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That book is bananas good. I mean, it's the book I wish I could have written and I just didn't have the access, the ability or the experience to do it. And it's so beautiful.
0: I love that when, even when you want to see something and you're not the person to bring it, that you can help the person to bring it to bring it right that is beautiful yes it's
1: better first of all writing a book
0: sucks I'm so (laughs) good it's a lot of
1: effort (laughs) I'm actually about to write a book with the the author of um hood wellness we're Mm -hmm. writing a book about creativity for liberation for the starving artist who doesn't Mm -hmm. have a trust fund so Mm -hmm. we're starting that book together but um yeah writing a book is hard and being able to be a vehicle for Mm -hmm. these brilliant voices they're far more brilliant than I and I I'm just my god I have the best job on the planet that's, That's so awesome.
0: So a yeah. lot of are with your publishing house, obviously it's, it's come mm-hmm. out of Hay House. You are like spiritual and yeah. wellness minded, right? <laughs> are most, are most of your books in yeah. that similar genre or are they, they more diverse and more expensive than that?
1: It started out that way. We really, I mean, our first book was The Altar Within by Juliet Diaz and she love has an it, imprint it. with us. Yeah, an imprint with us called Spirit Bound Press and she's about to debut a children's imprint. I won't tell you the name, but it's going to be wild. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You got to look into that one. Um, So we started off like really making personal development more accessible, but really now we're just at the intersection of literature and social justice. So all of the books are written through the lens of social justice, mm-hmm. but they're covering everything from healing to uh, the rewriting of American history to have a fiction book coming out. It's a feminist retelling of, um, the, uh, uh old Testament stories, stories from Love the Torah. It. I Love mean, it. like were Rebecca and Deborah lovers. We don't know. We're just, we're just saying, <laughs> we're just saying, so we, it's, it's, it's super expansive, mm-hmm. but I believe, um, especially as someone who struggled very much with social situations and learning in them. And I had to become an autodidact and I quit high school and I'm probably the most educated high school dropout ever because I just love to learn so much. I believe that all of the knowledge and filling yourself with information and understanding your history and understanding how to be better in the world is healing. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely, it is spiritual work. Um, this is my, this is my path. This is why I was put here for real. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: but and the yeah. whole, the whole setup, because correct me if I'm wrong, uh, would you say you're anti-capitalist in terms of as a business? I mean, you've got to mm-hmm. live in a capitalist society. You've got to work in that, but in terms of the way you've set it up and the way you're trying to change how publishing is done in a way that benefits yeah. the authors and the writers. Yeah. So we can't work outside of capitalism mm-hmm. and be successful in the way that we want to,
1: because our mission, I say all the time that I want to be the Jay-Z of publishing mm-hmm. And that I want to create something so big and t- takes up so much space that it forces the hand of other publishers to yes. do business better. Yes. Um. So we do have a revolutionary model based on. You're in Australia. I don't know where your listeners are. Um. But and you have your own history with of racism. Um, yeah. The United States had chattel slavery. There was this promise to certain black folks after the civil war that they would be given 40 acres and a mule. Um, That promise was then taken back. So we based um, our 40, 40 model on that. It's like what our ancestors and we deserve. So it's Mm a $40,000 advance um, for every row house author. It's a little bit different for our imprints, but across the board for every single one of our authors, they get a 40% royalty share, Mm -hmm. um, which is about four times industry average. Yeah. So it's a revolutionary model. Um, people have definitely told us told us it's impossible. Um, we're doing it as mm-hmm. we'll see, and yeah. um, it feels good. Um, it means I make less, right? It means that leadership makes less, and that's fine because mm-hmm. I'm hardly doing the work. Uh, the authors to be center, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So we're we're operating inside capitalism, but like money look, capitalism hasn't worked just like democracy really hasn't worked. We're still playing with it. We're still practicing it. And I would like to feel that we can create a new way. Mm-hmm. And at least in this tiny area, we can create a new model that everyone feels good. Um, yeah. But it's about money, but it's also about so much more. It's 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 about what is professionalism? Who do we hire? What do we consider to be appropriate in the workspace? Mm-hmm. And you know, we say like, if you show up and do your job, like that's professionalism. If you love and respect and treat others with kindness, like that's professionalism. Mm -hmm. And You really want to be a space where people feel free to be themselves. So, you know, that's not, that's anti-capitalist because capitalism means conformity. But I mean, I don't know. I'm not an economist. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know.
0: I know. (laughs) I think, I think, capitalism overarching has a lot to answer for and obviously we can't we can't separate ourselves from it but I think being able to carve out a new path and at least I love the idea of forcing change for everyone else because I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that most authors their royalties are less than 10 percent yeah majority of the time like six percent is not unheard of like that's how much they're making for years of their life a lot of the time And tears and a lot of, you know, late nights and throwing the towel and thinking Mm -hmm. they're not worth it and imposter syndrome. And then, you know, most of that is not even theirs in the end. So I think that it's wonderful that you guys are shifting it in that regard. That is what I love about the whole thing that you're creating. I love it.
1: The norm is exploitative. The Mm -hmm. norm is exploitation. And again, being in the United States. That is the very foundation of this country. It w- cannot exist without genocide and enslavement. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. literally, our economy would not exist. It would have never succeeded. So that can't change. We still need to commit genocide and enslave people for the economy to keep moving. So we have mm-hmm. to, f- I, it really is our job because we are at a critical point with the earth on fire and all the other things. We're at a critical point to find a different way to do it. Mm-hmm. What I believe, and this could be me being naive, I don't think it is. I, I believe that me not knowing anything about publishing is what made this successful because I, I didn't, I, I, it wasn't like, oh, we're supposed to do this. Um, also being autistic, if rules don't make sense to me, <laughs> Change them. I, have a re- I really have a hard time following them. I'm like, well, that doesn't yeah. really make sense. So when they're telling me that they can't pay their authors, but the CEO is making a $7 million salary, it's like, hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, so that's why, right? Yeah. So it's simple math. I think it's simple math. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at math. So there are other ways just because we haven't seen them mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they can't be successful and this is where I, the call is to really use our imaginations, expand what we can believe to be true, mm-hmm. and um, we can create new stuff. Yeah. All of these things, all the problems that we find ourselves in
0: are a result of choices that somebody made. So mm-hmm. let's make better choices. Mm-hmm. When you don't come from that in terms of like the actual backend publishing side, mm-hmm. you do... You're not putting yourself into a box. You're not like, oh, wait, this is yeah. how everyone does it. So this is how I should do it. So it becomes a whole new way of doing things. I love it. I think it's wonderful. Um, it's how we get a fresh new perspective in a lot of areas.
1: Yeah. I mean, so- I was a bad kid. I was a bad kid with like parents that really didn't pay attention. So um, I was kind of feral. And I think that that benefited me in some <laughs> regard because I was just like the kid that was like, why? Well, mm-hmm. you know, Like I was always asking why. If something yeah. didn't make sense, I just didn't do it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I grew up to be an adult that acted that way. Sometimes it doesn't serve me. Most of the time it does because I get, I'm curious about things. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I'm asking everyone to do. Like just even asking the question is challenging the system. Yeah, You don't have to be out on the streets, rioting or making signs or calling your center or whatever. Just like ask the questions and see if you can create the revolution inside yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
1: things will start to change.
0: Wonderful. I'm like Excellent. really
1: like, I, I don't know if I put my preacher robe on or I'm on the pulpit. <laughs> but I'm,
0: like, I'm like really fired up. It was tarot Hallelujah. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And so how on earth are you funding all of this? Right. So you, it's, <laughs> I know you life. had, I know you yeah. had a fundraiser you know, a while back, I think, did you use Kickstarter?
1: Was that what it was on? We used first, it was just like real grassroots, like send us a Venmo. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. So we did around, um, we did a couple rounds of fundraising in the first year. We, we started in February, uh, I think March 1st of 2021, we Mm -hmm. officially like launched the fundraiser February. We came out on social media, Um, and in 11 months we raised $1.2 million. So that was the initial seed funding. And just, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of money and it was a historic raise for a business owned by a woman of color. However, there was another publisher at the same time, Spiegel and Grau. Um, I love Cindy Spiegel. She's was a great mentor during the process, but they were raising $10 million Mm. and we were putting out, you know, six books in the first year and they were putting out one in like the following year. <laughs> like so yeah the scope of what we were trying to do we were we were so ambitious and naive but we were just so excited about what we were doing so that money really went to seed those first mm-hmm. books salaries um every single penny super well spent really really excited about or less salaries more like acquisitions paying the authors illustrators mm-hmm. all the creators and now we're, you know, we're running on income. We've had a phenomenal year. We've had two New York times bestsellers, um, one, a number one bestseller in 2023. Our books are well-loved, well-reviewed, well-sold, um, our community, that's how we're doing it. Our community mm-hmm. has just been kick ass. Mm-hmm. And have there been funding gaps where we're like, or flow gaps where we're like, oh my gosh, we have to print another 12,000 books, but like, we don't have 12,000 book money in the bank. Mm. Sure. And, um, It's, you know, I'm on the phone every day. Like, can we pay this in payments? Simon Schuster, can you give us our distributor? Like, can we get an advance on that really giant check that's coming at the end of the month? Because we know it's there and you're holding our money. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm wheeling and dealing like I did when I was on food stamps, you Mm -hmm. know, on welfare, trying to raise my three kids as a single mom. You know, I'm just doing what I know how to do.
0: And you have five kids now, is that right? I have five children
1: and one grandchild. Yeah. So how are you doing all of this? and being um, a mom and a grandma. Oh my gosh. And you know, it's so funny because people are like, well, I have three adult children and they're like, oh, okay. So you only have two at home. I'm like, the adult children are the ones, they're the headaches. <laughs> they call me 50 times a day. Today I had to like put out two crises. Oh, actually three. The one kid <laughs> sideswiped a car last night and he was like, there was oh, no. no damage. So I didn't tell anyone. Oh, no! I'm, I'm, t- I'm telling you they're all like, ugh, oh God, I love them so much, but they're just anyway. So how do I do it all? I have a wonderful partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to be really real about my privilege. I have a wonderful partner who is an artist. He's a photographer, a, a very talented and, um, you know, well-known photographer that has very lovingly sacrificed his career to kind of be home and, um, take care of the kids and the house and support me. And he's just like the gentlest, most wonderful angel soul. I don't know what I did in a past life to get this person. Cause he's just incredible. Um, I have kids who are just really cool and understand that their mom has this thing. And it was hard when the big kids were little, but now they're like, we're proud of you. And they love like talking about what I do. And how do I do it? I mean, it's hard. I'm stressed. I see a therapist every week. I meditate every day. I have a lot of self-care practices that I'm very intentional about. I play a lot of Zelda tears of the kingdom, a lot of Zelda, And I am also 1,000% in the knowing that I am walking in my purpose. Mm. So as hard as it is, there's so much joy. There's so, I mean, I mean, I'm so glad that I'm talking on this, like to you, you know, because a lot of times I'm talking to like Forbes or Insider Magazine or something, and we're talking about money, but it's, When you're doing what you're supposed to, when you're using your talents at their highest potential or for their highest good, it's like the energy comes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So every day I freak out and I'm stressed out and I'm like, how am I going to do this? But there's this calm that is telling me like the success is inevitable if you just stay the course.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure, I'm sure you feel, I guess, similar to me and what I'm doing you couldn't not do it. No. Right. Oh <laughs> it's what? not an First option. All,
1: I'm unemployable. <laughs> I have no, I don't even have a high school diploma. Who's going to hire me? Like I, just, I have no. I have no skills that would put me or, and I also do not have a temperament, um, to be able to be in a workplace with like a boss. And yep. I am very, again, very privileged to be able to create my own path. It hasn't always been, I've tried a lot of businesses. I've been, I've had my electric shut off many, many times. I've been on the welfare line with my kids. I, I keep my card, my like social services card with my picture on it. I'm, I'm actually gonna make that, I think my um headshot for the, for the next book I'm writing about creative mm-hmm. liberation. Because, you know, even in my hardest times and when I had a lot of different weird jobs to pay the bills, I knew that there was a, a calling for something greater. Mm-hmm. I just needed to, to stay the course. Mm-hmm. And as someone who has suffered greatly from mental illness, anxiety, depression, my neurodivergence being undiagnosed, like having exacerbating all of that. Like it was really my, um, my creative path that allowed me to even stay alive, like literally. Hmm. So, I mean, I shoplifted my first, I shoplifted be here now by Ram Dass My, my first like touch of like real spirituality where I was looking within instead of without was, was me seeing this book that I had to have. And I didn't have the money at 15 years old and I stole it. So like, Mm -hmm. that's my path. Um, a lot of beautiful people helped me along the way. Um, and that's why I want to do the work of being there and being that support for other people.
0: Yeah. I love it. I love it. I think it's wonderful, and I'm I'm super glad to hear about Juliette Diaz and and Spirit Brown Press and oh, huge, huge, so huge huge fan huge huge fan.
1: Oh, she's so. so she's so great and like the best heart in the whole. I mean, when no she left Hay House, she is wildly successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, wildly successful. She left Hay House without even a thought
0: in solidarity with me. Mm. Like that's it. I'll be yep. your first author. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> And were um, you guys, were you guys on that, um, diversity initiative together? Were you, we both were
1: both, we were both mentors. We mm-hmm. did not know each other. Mm-hmm. We did not know each other at all. So we we're both mentors and, um, we found out we we're both from New Jersey and we were curious about each other. But yeah, when I when I left Hay house, I was like, Hey, just wanted to let you know that I'm leaving the diverse wisdom initiative. And she's like, what, how? Mm. And again, like without a thought, she just, she has a family you know, she's a mother. And she was like, and she's a major breadwinner in the household. Like she Mm. is again, wildly successful. And she's like, yeah, I'm
0: with you. This sucks. I love it. It just, it just shows as well that, you know, that there was so much, you, you obviously didn't have to convince. It was like, so much truth to it. And she'd obviously felt that as well. And I'm sure everyone had probably been seeing all of these things and not knowing what they could do about it. Like feeling trapped in that, I guess this is what we got to do to give another option and to show that there is another way. That's exciting. That is, it is exciting, you know, daunting, but exciting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love to show that there's possibility. It wasn't without, like, we were really fraught with like, okay, what are we going to do now that we just made this incredibly, um, you know, impulsive
0: move. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but
1: it with community it works
0: out. Mm-hmm. That's and I think the thing. Community yeah. is such a huge thing that is missing from the world these days and we noticed it through covid and through the mm-hmm. lockdowns that mm-hmm. community was the biggest part that you know people were <sighs> without that community without that connection people feel stranded and lost. Yeah, and I think it is something that can really help, you know, boost things or without it destroy things. So it's yeah. great that you have a community that you are you are also nurturing your community. They're not just yeah. it it what I can tell, they're not just, you know, people that are gonna buy things. They're community that you're helping and you're all working together. We are an
1: interdependent species. Mm-hmm. And the sooner we realize and embrace that, the better will get as individuals and as a community at large yeah um i am so willing to receive help and to give it um
0: because i know that's just the way everybody thrives Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and for the people listening who are consumers of spiritual wellness books what do you have any advice for them in terms of when they are wanting to you know spend Mm. their money wisely? Um, it's so interesting because
1: as a self-help spiritual author meditation guide, I've always said, like, I don't give a shit if you meditate. Like I just, I really actually don't care. I just want you to find a way to connect with you every Mm day. Um, so find that for yourself. So I'm not a big, um, consumer of self-help of spiritual texts. What I love as a spirit, what my practice is, is reading memoir and autobiography I love to see the people that I love, admire, respect, who who achieved big things. I love to see what their process is and who they are as people. I love to connect with other people and their stories. Um, But with everything that we consume, we should know, like, where is the money landing? Like who ultimately, it's not just about like what's in the pages. Like you have to see what created that. What is the environment in which this was promoted, marketed, made? Who's behind it? Who's the editor? Who's the person they hire to do the cover? It takes a village to make a book. There's easily, even at Row House at our tiny operation, there's 20 people involved in every single book. Mm -hmm. Who are those people? It takes time and research. It's worth the effort.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And one other thing that you're doing, because you said before, you're you know, obviously going into schools and you are donating money to causes that are important Mm -hmm. to you. I would presume that maybe there's some companies and some publishers that do do that, but not not that I've heard of. You're the only one I've actually heard talking about it. And I think that that's a really important and responsible use of your money and your time and what you guys are all standing for. So I think that's important for people to look at as well as again, where's that money going? And are they actually doing Mm -hmm. anything good with it? You know, are they giving back?
1: Yeah. I mean, money is important. It's the way that we express our values is the way that we mm-hmm. show who we are in a lot of different ways. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow that.
0: Yeah. And before we go, um, mm-hmm. would you be able to give a little bit of, um, advice around people finding using joy as an act of resistance? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Oh, joy is an act of resistance. I usually just complain a lot. That's fine. <laughs> um, no, I mean, Seriously, every single day, I think that my real spiritual practice is, so I'll, I'll tell you quickly, I wake up every morning. I, it's three parts. I say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. to Just acknowledge that I'm blessed. I name three things that I'm grateful for. It's very cheesy. It's very simple, but it works. And it could be something very mundane or something very, very deep. And then I say to my creator, I say, creator, how may I serve? And it is in service that I find joy. And I do that every single day and it could be very small, active, you know, whatever love or whatever, or it could be very grand, a grand gesture, like starting a publishing house, but that I'm in constant pursuit of seeking that path to creating happiness for other people and to showing, show my willingness and my understanding to be in community. I think Find that thing that brings you the joy, but do it every day, like make it a religious practice. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, especially in in my work, we're constantly talking about oppression. We're constantly talking about the things that are wrong. It could be very easy to get, be bogged down. So, yeah. And, and being joyful, especially if you're someone that living, living in the margins is like the most dangerous thing mm-hmm. to the system. They
0: hate that. Yeah. yeah. No. Does wonderful. that make sense? I don't know. It does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good because yeah. people can also now use that. It's like useful information. They're like, oh, I will try that in the morning. That sounds wonderful. I do just something- be great. That's resistance. Be great. Be yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much. And if people want to find you online, where is the best place to find and support you and what you're doing? Row House,
1: Rowhousepublishing.com. You'll find our socials there. I'm I'm the person behind the social media. Um, I probably shouldn't be, but it's goofy and fun and please connect. Cause I will definitely say hi back.
0: Love that. Awesome. And I'll pop links below as well for everyone who wants to check it out. And I'll put some links to uh, the website as well so that people can purchase books and support you guys that way also. Yeah. And as Rebecca said, if you're not wanting to purchase anything at the moment, share things online as well, because that is a, another form of currency, as you said, to get yes. the word out there. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. And we will catch you all next time.